You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are actually starting a brand new series entitled 10. Everybody say 10. Sampu Diez. Okay. So this is about the Ten Commandments and we're going to be looking at this series for the next 10 weeks. Everybody say 10 weeks. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, handa ka na ba? Okay, this is probably one of the longest that we've had. Uh, the last time we had was about seven weeks on Apostles' Creed. And uh, knowing if you've been here around uh, Victory, or you've probably noticed that many times we have about maybe four weeks, five weeks series. And this is now the longest. Ten Commandments. Perfect law. Perfect love. Now, how many of you remember or memorize each of the ten Commandments. Please raise your hand. I'm not going to call you out for... Okay. More or less, it's an idea. Okay. More or less, you have an idea what it is. Okay. Ten Commandments. Some of you. Okay. Some of you were absent in your religion class. Okay. Or catechism when you were growing up. When I was growing up as a young boy, I, I looked at the Ten Commandments and I thought that this is something that we need to observe every day in order for us to go to heaven uh, only to frustrate me because I could not keep uh, the Ten Commandments. Now, how many of you have been perfect in keeping and in obeying the Ten Commandments? Anyway, uh, I think all of us would probably not say yes. But just to give us a review on what the Ten Commandments is, okay? and I'd like to invite everyone to recite this uh, with me. You'll probably notice that there are two parts of the Ten Commandments. The one on the left, are the commandments that uh, describes our relationship with God. And the one on the right describes our relationship with fellow men. Okay, And so, let's all read this out loud all together, starting from commandment number one. Ready? Go. You shall have no other gods but me. Do not make or worship idols. Do not misuse God's name. Remember to keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie about others. Do not covet what belongs to others. And so, you probably have maybe memorized uh, the Ten Commandments in another version, but more or less, that's the description of that. Now, someone asked the Lord Jesus in the New Testament, which is the greatest of all the commandments of God, and uh, this is a lawyer that was asking the Lord, and what was his command? I mean, what was his reply? He said, two things, and everything else hang on these two commandments. And he, the first thing he said was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second one is kind of like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, how many of you love yourself? Okay. Uh, we preserve ourselves, we take care of ourselves, we eat the right food, we exercise, we sleep, hopefully we do that. We love ourselves. It's always about thinking about us. It's a natural tendency of man. And Jesus said, you've got to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now notice these two words. Love the Lord, love others. Yet, it refers to commandments. You probably notice that when you talk about God's command, it's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. Though on the outward, it's about 
do this, don't do that, do not lie, do not cheat, do not do this, do not eat, do not eat pork, do not eat shrimp, do not eat seasick, you know, you know. But in reality, it's all about love. If you sum it all up, the commandments of God, it's all about love. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. The motivation of each command is really about love. That's why we've entitled this 10 Perfect Law and Perfect Love. Now, I believe that all of us probably are striving to live by the Ten Commandments. You know, Mark Twain had a friend, the writer, uh, had a friend who memorized the Ten Commandments. And his dream was when he told Mark, you know, I dream to go to the Holy Land. And I want to go to the Mount Sinai where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And I want to be able to shout at the top of my voice all these Ten Commandments. I want to recite it. And Mark Twain replied, Have you ever thought about just staying home and keeping the Ten Commandments? I think that's better. Because many times we may know the Ten Commandments, we may memorize the Ten Commandments, but how about keeping the Ten Commandments? You know, nowadays as Christians, we have a relationship with the Lord. How many of you have a relationship with God? Okay, how many of you are Christians? You're a believer. And we know that somehow in the New Testament, we've heard that you are no longer under the law. How many of you have heard of that? My question for us as we take this next 10-week journey is the Ten Commandments still relevant for us who are believers? Are they still applicable for us today in the 21st century, okay, 2016, uh, in our daily walk with God? Yes? Good. In Romans chapter 7, verse 6, it says, But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been what? Released from the law. O, yun? I thought we are supposed to do the law, but now the Bible is saying we're released from the law. So that we serve in the new way of what? Of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Because the motivation before was a wrong motivation. Before, when I was a young kid, I thought that the only way to go to heaven was to obey the Ten Commandments. And how many of you know that it's impossible for us to keep the Ten Commandments? In fact, in James chapter 2, verse 10, the Bible says, If you try to obey the law, and yet one point stumble in one of those commandments, the Bible says you are guilty of breaking the entire law. Para naman yun. Unfair naman. Eh, ako, isa lang naman yung problema ko. Lying lang. Paano yung ganun, di ba? Does that mean that I have broken the whole law? And so this is a, you know, something that we face, okay, every day. You know, nowadays you've, actually heard probably of new teachings on hyper-grace. That you're no longer bound by the law. That somehow because of the grace of God, yes, we're forgiven. How many of you know that we're forgiven not because of observing the law? How many of you know that? We are justified and we're forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. How many of you would say amen to that? That is so true. But yet, it doesn't give us a license to sin. The thing that I know, that my Bible says, is the grace that appeared to all men gives us the ability to say no to sin. And that is grace from God. Grace is not just about being forgiven. Grace is not just about being not bound by the law, but I believe grace appeared 
to empower us to say yes to God and no to sin. Amen. We want to be able to look at this and have a fresh perspective. Now that we're looking at the Ten Commandments, how does this apply to us on a daily basis? Now let's look at the closest disciple of Jesus, the Apostle John. And in his writing, he said this, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. Okay, can we all read this out loud all together? One, two, three. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. This is love for God, to obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. Can you imagine? The Apostle John is writing that the proof of being a Christian is that we are obeying the commands of God. So in other words, we see a tension here. Yes, we're no longer bound by the law because there's a new motivation. The Spirit of God, the requirement of the law is no longer binding us because the Spirit of God lives in us. But at the same time, the Bible says, this is how we show our love for God to obey His commands. Because His commands are not burdensome. It's not a yoke. It's not killjoy. It's not something that removes our you know, enjoyment for life. But God is after our benefit. He's after blessing us. He's after your prosperity. He wants your success. He wants to fulfill His covenant relationship with you. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at in the next 10 weeks. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading from Exodus chapter 20. Since this is just a uh, short verse, it's not on your keynote this time, okay? So I'd like for you to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, we're reading from the ESV version. Uh, you may have a digital device, an iPad, iPhone, or a Samsung tab, or whatever. Okay? Just open it to ESV or just, uh, I think we have Bibles in the back, but it's too late to get it now. Okay? Uh, next week you get it. Okay? Verse 1 to 3. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the preaching of your word. We thank you that your word is life. Your precepts are like honey to our mouth, Lord God, pleasing to the taste. We thank you, Lord God, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I thank you, God, even today as we talk about your word, impart to us a greater appreciation of your loss because it's uh, a sign of your covenant relationship with us as your people. Bless everyone, Lord, as we hear your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're looking at the first command, uh, no other God, only the Lord. Okay? And um, just to give us a background on the Ten Commandments, we know that it was given to Moses. Uh, how many of you have watched that movie, the old movie, the Charlton Heston movie, Ten Commandments? Uh, probably on YouTube, okay? Uh, you've probably seen that. Now, how many of you watch the, the cartoon version, The Prince of Egypt? Okay? All right. That's better. I mean, that's probably... that's. Probably came out 10 years ago, okay? Now, there's another version that came out, I think, last year or two years ago, Exodus, Gods and Kings. How many of you watched that? Okay, forget that movie, okay? That's not biblical, okay? Uh, anyway, it's better to read your Bible. There's a lot of things there that I, you know, that I couldn't really agree on. But anyway, we look at the story of the Israelites and how their plight was in Egypt. You know, Joseph the Dreamer uh, basically had favor with Pharaoh. He said, 
bring the entire family. I'm going to give you the best of the land. And so, how many of you know that, uh, you know, God has been faithful to them as a people? And after 300 years, God multiplied them. God prospered them in the land of Egypt. Though they prospered in Egypt, Egypt was not their promised land. Now, we better be careful about the blessings of God. Sometimes we would, we would probably think, oh, I'm being blessed right now. This is probably my promised land. Better check out if that's Egypt or that's promised land. Because the Israelites were blessed in the land of Egypt. And suddenly, the Pharaoh, who did not know about Joseph, nor what he had done for Egypt, saw them and said, who are these people? Why are they having the best of the land? Why are they being blessed? And who knows the reason why they're blessed? Because God blesses them. And because of God's covenant with them, God took care of them. And yet the Pharaoh inflicted uh, a heavy load on them by making them slaves. And so they started crying out to God, and God heard their cries. God called Moses, and Moses was found in the middle of the wilderness. God showed himself up in the burning bush. Remember that story? And he said, I am who I am. Go back to the people and deliver them and bring them out. About 600,000 men, not counting women and children, went out of Egypt. So they're estimating maybe it's more than about a million, 1.5 or maybe almost 2 million people that went out of Egypt. How many of you know that's a lot of people? That's a lot of voters, right? But anyway, uh, 2 million that Moses brought out of Egypt. Finally, they crossed you know, God showed His power. You know, the, you know, the, the plagues came. Finally, Pharaoh said after the death of the firstborn, you may let the people go and you go. And Moses, lifting up his staff, divided the Red Sea because of God's power. The Egyptians followed them. The most powerful army on the earth at that time had no, uh, place before the power of the Holy God. Amen. Because it was God who fought their battles. Though they were slaves, God was with them. That's why we can't just look at our situation and say, Oh, I have a problem. Guess what? If you have a problem, don't worry about that. Cry out to the Lord because you plus God equals the majority. And you will win victory before the Lord. Amen. Come on now. That is who God is. The most powerful army on the face of the earth was no match for a group of slaves because God was fighting their battle. Finally, they were you know, covered by the Red Sea and this over a million people went out before Mount Sinai and God, for the first time, has established that He is making for Himself a people that is holy and set apart and separate. This is just in fulfillment of God's promise with the covenant that he had made with Abraham. Remember Abraham? This is already in Exodus. The first time that God appeared to Abraham was in Genesis chapter 12. When he called Abraham, leave your country, leave your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And I will make your name great. And I will bless you. And whoever blesses you will be blessed. And whoever curses you will be cursed. And indeed, that happened. How many of you? Because God is a faithful God. Many, many years after, God is still true to his word. God remembered His promise to Abraham and He's now about to show this promise to His people, the Israelites. And so we see this in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 26. You shall be what? Holy to me, for I am the Lord 
I the Lord am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. When you talk about holiness, it simply means set apart. It simply means you're different. It doesn't really mean that you have to wear white long robes and you know you don't have to wear makeup, long hair. You know that's not a holy you know outfit, okay? But holy means set apart. When you go to your office tomorrow, guess what? You are a holy person. You're set apart. You're favored by God. You're blessed by Him. You know why? Because God is faithful to you. Because God is faithful to His covenant to you through Jesus Christ. And the Bible says we are Abraham's seed, heirs of the promise that He has given through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Amen. Come on. That's why we can actually... Come on, give the Lord praise. That's why... We can always be confident that when God gave His law, it's not about just having rules. It's about His relationship with us. And so He said, I'm going to set you apart. You're going to be different from the nations because the other nations are nations who worship idols. They worship Molech, who sacrifice their their own children so that this God can hear them. How many of you know that you don't have to sacrifice your children so that God can hear your prayers? Though sometimes you're tempted to do that, right? Because they don't listen to you. But anyway, <laughs> don't do that, okay? Because when you cry to the Lord, the Bible says He listens to us. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so, what's the purpose of the law then? Now that they're being established as a new state or a new nation, why did God give them this new set of laws? Number one, God gave the law as a moral standard of living. So basically, what this means is God entered into a covenant. Everybody say covenant. Covenant with His people, and these are the words of the covenant. In fact, when we read earlier in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, the Bible says, these are the words of the covenant. It didn't say these are the commands. Or these are the rules. These are the words. These are stipulations of the covenant. You know, I've been married for the past 26 years. February 24, 1990. And I remember during that time, when I was about 118 pounds, believe it or not, I was 60 pounds ago, okay? You know, we signed the marriage contract. And when me and my wife said, you know, a vow with one another, in sickness and in health, richer for poor, for uh, better or for worse, till death do us part. We were serious in our covenant with one another. You know, when we signed a marriage contract, it's more than a contract that we signed. It's a covenant relationship. And this is a relationship that I have promised to my wife that no matter what happens, whether in good times or sad times, we're going to fight together and we're going to be together until the last breath of our lives. That's covenant. It's not about whether you are faithful to your part of the bargain or you know, you cook better or you, know, you, you bake now nice cookies or you take care of the kids. It doesn't matter. The covenant goes beyond what we can offer. And you know, when you talk about the covenant of God, how many of you know that God is a faithful God? He was the one who thought about this covenant that even before they went out of Egypt, 
He delivered them already. He was faithful to them. He was watching over them. His eyes were on His people. He was, you know, Pastor Rain earlier talked about that God is a covenant-keeping and a covenant-making God. He keeps His covenant. Even, you know, beyond the generation that we have right now. Guess what? We may be long gone and the covenant that God has for our children's children will remain. That's how faithful our God is. His covenant and His love continues until a thousand generations. Can you imagine that? God's faithfulness will never end. Our only part of the bargain is to obey. Everybody say, obey. obey. Tell the person beside you, obey. obey. That is your part of the bargain. And why is it sometimes too difficult to obey? That's my question also. You know, as I was, you know, if you are a parent here, I believe you're going to agree with me, it's hard for you to teach your children how to obey. You talk to a toddler, and you tell the toddler, do not touch the socket. What will the baby do? Look at you and say, and he will do exactly what you tell him not to do. Kung ano yung sinabi mo, yung pa yung gagawin. Do not touch the socket. Siguro gusto niya tikman yung barbecue. Okay? Siya yun. Okay? And, you know, I, I, I guess it's because of the sinful nature of people. It's kind of hard. And this is the essence of Christianity. Christianity, if you summarize this and you funnel it into a simple word, two words, faith and obedience. You trust in the Lord, and you obey. You trust in the Lord, and you obey. That's the essence of parenting. The reason why we teach our children the way they should go, so that when they are old, they will not depart from it, it's to give them faith, and we teach them to obey. Hopefully, when you have kids that are older, that are adults, they will go out of your home, right? They will not stay there until 50 years old. Hopefully, one day, they go out of your home, right? But the essence of us parenting is that we will parent them temporarily, so that they will be independent of us and more dependent on God. That's the essence of parenting. And it's all about obedience. God expects us to obey. Even Moses told Joshua this, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything or obey everything written in it. And what was the next promise? And then you will become successful and prosperous. We like the successful part. We like the prosperous part. We don't like the obeying part. (laughs) That is the problem. But if we know that we need to obey because it's a moral standard, and it's not meant to prohibit us, it's meant to protect us. God gave the law also to reveal His holiness. God is a holy God. And God revealed this perfect law to us. The law reflects the requirements of a perfect God. There's no nation on the earth that was given such great laws. If you will go and look at the different laws, and we're going to talk about this in the next 10 weeks, the Israelites were given different kinds of laws. 613 ceremonial laws. Can you imagine? You know, there's a law for you to go to the temple. There's a certain dress code that you need to have in the Old Testament. There are dietary laws. You cannot eat chicharron. You cannot eat sisig and crispy pata. But how many of you now in the New Testament praise God? Everything is permissible because Jesus Christ gave us freedom. Amen. Come on now. Now you can eat shrimps and you can eat crabs and you can eat pork. Just watch your cholesterol. But anyway, that's another issue. Okay. 
But it may not be kosher, but because it's not about that. And so the 613 laws were summarized into these 10 laws and eventually summarized and still down to two laws. Now, God gave the law to reveal our sin. It has no power to save us. It is meant to be a reflection of our reality before a holy God. Now, when you look at the Ten Commandments, oh my, how can I obey this? There will be times I would have idols in my life. There will be times I would lie. Eh, white lie lang naman eh. Di ba? If there's a white lie, there's probably a brown lie, a red lie, a green lie, a blue lie, or a black lie. I don't know what kind of different lies there are. But in reality, before the eyes of God, it's just one sin. One sin is enough to send us to hell. But yet, if you look at the Ten Commandments, it's impossible virtually to obey and keep the Ten Commandments every day for the rest of your life. How will you do that? It reveals our need for a Savior. So I believe that the reason why God gave us the Ten Commandments is it's not meant for us to live by so that we can be saved by it, but God gave us the Ten Commandments as a mirror or a reflection of our reality check before the Lord. How many of you checked yourself in the mirror this morning? Sino rito yung uh, pagising nyo sa umaga, nag-brush kayo ng teeth? Sino rito nag-brush ng teeth this morning? Can you please raise your hand? Okay? Bati mo nga yung katabi mo, say, Hi! Sabi sa kanya, Hi! Di ba? You, know, you probably checked your face this morning. And the law is kind of like that. The law basically shows you where you are standing before God. And how you look like. And when you face the mirror, you know, like for example, I faced the mirror this morning and I saw, oh wow, I need to shave. The law basically points of our need for a savior. And the mirror points of our need for a savior. Shaver, okay? Shaver, shaver. Okay? So the law basically gives us and shows us our need. So what do you do with the shaver? Of course, you, you apply it on your face, right? You don't see a person using the mirror and shaving himself with the mirror, okay? Sugat-sugat yun, mga kapatid, okay? Pero, you use the face and then, uh, you, you use the, the shaver. <laughs> you use the sh- shaver on your face and then after that, ta-da! Okay, you have a new face. But anyway, okay, that's Pastor Saul, okay? Uh, so, it is finished. So anyway, that's the purpose of the law. The law is meant to show us where we stand before God, but yet it has no power to change us. We need our Savior Jesus Christ to help us fulfill all the requirements of the law. And yet when Jesus came, He said, I did not come to abolish the law. I have come to fulfill everything that is written in the law. Not one dot nor a stroke of a pen will fall, but everyone will be fulfilled. Galatians chapter 3.24 says, So the law was put in charge to lead us to whom? To Christ. That we might be justified by faith. Not by obeying it. Not by trying to keep the Ten Commandments. But by faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Amen? And so, let's now look very quickly on these words. The Lord spoke all these words saying, and when you talk about the words in the Ten Commandments, it comes from the Hebrew word dabar. Everybody say dabar. Dabar, which means commands, counsel, instructions, words, promises, or words of comfort. 
Now, what is the first commandment about? Now, we're going to look at this. And the first commandment, we've read it earlier. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay? So I encourage you to memorize that later on. But for us to be able to understand that, let's look at this acronym law. L-A-W. And what does this stand for? Love, authority, and worship. So when you talk about the first commandments, the first commandment is really about love. It talks about God's authority in our life. It talks about our worship and our response to Him. Martin Luther described the first commandment. He said, the first commandment is the first commandment because it is the first commandment. How many of you can uh, figure that out? Ang galing niya, very deep, huh? I get it, huh, Martin Luther? The first commandment is the first commandment because it is the first commandment. It's kind of like saying the second commandment is the second commandment because it is the second commandment. It's like saying, my name is Ariel because I am Ariel and my mom named me Ariel. Parang ganun, okay? But what does this mean? This is significant in the way it was said. The reason why it's said the first commandment is the first commandment because it is the first commandment because all the other commandments flow from this first commandment. Everything in the Ten Commandments, everything finds its root in the first commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. All the other commandments depend on this first commandment. In fact, let me tell you this. You cannot break any other commandment without breaking the first commandment. The reason why we lie is because we break the first commandment. The reason why we murder is because we break the first commandment. The reason why we commit adultery is because we break the first commandment. The reason why we covet or we covet our neighbor's wife is because we break the first commandment. And that's why it is so important for us to understand, I need to always keep the first command because it's based on love. It's not about a heavy burden that God has put on us. And He said this in verse 2, Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery? These people used to be slaves. Finally, when they wake up that morning, they were free and they were rich. They basically plundered all the gold of the Egyptians. And God provided for them. How many of you know that when God delivers us from bondage, He provides for our needs as well? That's the beauty of our God. He's a faithful God. He brought you out of Egypt, not just to free you as a slave, but He meant to provide for you as well wherever you go. Before God launches into His demands of us, He reminds us of His love for us. Before He gives any stipulation, before He puts any law, before He puts a regulation or a rule in our life, guess what? He reminds us first of His love for us. And we see this. He was the one who delivered the people from their bondage in Egypt. They were trapped, but yet He delivered them. They were hungry. Remember that time? But yet, He fed them manna and quail. Every single day when they woke up in the morning, there was fresh baked manna from heaven. And in the afternoon, there's going to be an eastern wind that will actually blow these quails and they would have meat 
in the evening. The faithfulness of God continued to flow despite their disobedience and rebellion in the desert for the past 40 years. The only time manna stopped was when they actually entered the promised land during the time of Joshua. But for 40 years, everybody say 40 years. 40. Every day, everybody say every day. God was faithful to them in providing for them. There was no economy in the desert. Nothing there. But yet, how many of you know, despite the fact that there's no economy there, God's provision was always there. Amen. God does not need the economy to provide for us. Because God has been faithful to them. And before, even before God rolled out all these commandments, He was reminding them, guys, I was with you all the way. And I'm going to be with you all the way until the next generation and the next generation and the next generation will come to pass. They were thirsty. He gave them water to drink. They walked in the desert for 40 years and their sandals did not wear off. How many of you ladies would like to have that kind of a sandal? Maybe not, right? You want a new sandal every month, right? For 40 years, they were using the same sandals. I don't know if that's Havayanas. I don't know what that was made of. Bakal Bayano. But for 40 years, the Bible says that God has been faithful in protecting them. God fought every enemy that they had. And He protected them. He brought them out of Egypt. And He made sure that they are safe. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, Happy. Everybody say happy. Happy, happy is he who keeps the law. The way of the transgressor, on the other hand, is hard. That's why when you see these words in the commands of God, thou shalt not, what God really wants to say is, be careful, I want you protected. And if you say, you shall, it means go ahead. Enjoy a happy life. Enjoy the blessings of God. The very first thing that God gave Adam in the garden was not a command. It was not, thou shall not eat the middle tree or else, papatayin kita. God did not say that. The first thing that God said to Adam was, you may eat any tree. I mean any tree. Any fruit. <laughs> you, may, you may eat any fruit from any tree in the garden. That was the first thing that God said. There was freedom first before there was a law. But you must not touch the middle tree, which is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember that? That's why when you look at the Ten Commandments, it's not because God did not want us to enjoy life. God wants us to have a great life. God wants us to have a blessed life. God wants us to have an abundant life. But these are the guidelines of that command. He wants us protected. There's a story back in 1999 of a base jumper named John Davis. She was 60 years old when she did this jump. She was a professional veteran parachutist. She was involved in a dangerous sport called base jumping. Now, if you're not familiar with base jumping, this is a type of sport when you have a parachute, when you jump off cliffs or towers, and you're not in a plane. Normally, she would jump from airplanes, and she did that about maybe 700 times already. So she was a professional skydiver. But then they were now uh, trying to promote this new sport. Unfortunately, on October 22, 1999, she fell to her death, and her husband, who was filming the jump, and several reporters were stunned when Jan uh, fell for 20 seconds and crashed into the rocks. Apparently, what they were doing is they were doing a protest jump. There were five jumpers that day, and they were saying, base jumping is a safe sport. 
Because apparently, Yosemite Park declared it illegal and no one can jump from there anymore. Because six deaths had occurred and they were there to prove that this is indeed a safe sport. Unfortunately, she jumped off uh, from a 3,200-foot granite cliff called the El Capitan and she jumped to her death. The law was adopted because of previous death. The five jumpers were in fact protesting and were jumping to prove that the sport is safe. These jumpers not only knew the risk, they also knew the law and deliberately broke the law. John Davis paid with her life. In a similar way, many people think they can deliberately violate God's law. But eventually, God, or people will learn that sometimes the hardware the hard way that God's law were designed to protect us and keep us safe. That's the whole purpose of the law. You know, my daughter is now 24 years old, Bea. She's a single uh, person. And I'm not under- advertising it, okay, by the way. <laughs> I'm just saying it as a fact. Okay? She's single, she's working, she's earning her keep, but yet I'm still concerned about her. And last night I was calling her because she was out with friends. I said, uh, what time will you come home? She said, maybe in an, uh, an hour's time. And that was about 11.30. I said, don't go home too late because you don't have a car. Who's going to bring you home? And so she said uh, this uh, person's name. And I asked, where are you? You know, I'm in a friend's house, a Christian. You know, these are all from church. And I just, I'm just concerned because I said, you know, as long as you are living in my home, you can't take that away from a dad to always be concerned about the protection of her daughter. And so the reason why I gave her parameters, I said, come home right away because I don't want her to get her. And in the same way, I believe God is kind of like that to us. There is a law because God wants you and I safe and protected. Amen? And it's for our benefit and it's for our good. George Morrison said this, It took God one night to take the Israelites out of Egypt, but it took him 40 years to take Egypt out of the Israelites in the desert because of their stiff-necked attitude and their uh, hard hearts. Letter A is authority. Everybody say authority. So we're looking at the law acronym here. First is what? L, love. It's based on love. Second, it's based on the authority of who God is. And God said, I am the Lord your God. And what this means really is that He is unchanging and that He is true, everlasting. You see here His two names, Lord, which is Yahweh, and God, which is Elohim. These are the same words that God revealed Himself to Moses when He called Him to be the deliverer of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am. Everybody say, I am. I am has sent me to you. So this word, I am, really is, the name of God. This word I am basically says, I am who you need me to be. It's a promise of a relationship with God to His people. The literal translation of this is, He who causes everything to be. The Jews call Him Jehovah. His name means sufficiency for His people. You know, when we need peace, He is Jehovah Shalom. I am Jehovah Shalom. I am who I am when you need me to be. When you need provision, how many of you need provision? He is Jehovah Jireh. He is who He is when we need Him to be. When you need healing, He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer, or Rofi, our healer. He's the one who restores us. Then He not only heals our physical body, but He heals even our emotions. 
He heals our pain. He heals everything in, uh, in the deepest recess of our being. He is Jehovah Sidkinu, the one who causes us to be clean. He is the one who is our righteousness. Makedesh, our sanctifier. The one who cleanses us from sin. The one who forgives us. Even the Lord Jesus used this word, I am, several times in the New Testament. When he described himself as, I am the door. He said, I am the good shepherd. And he said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said, I am eternal life. This basically reveals who God is to us. I am who I am describes who God is in our life. That's why I believe these Ten Commandments are not just written as ten suggestions or ten options. These are commandments. The authority of God is seen through these words. You know, I remember the story of one particular captain who was driving a boat in the middle of the night. And he saw directly coming to him was a faint light. And he was assuming that this was a small fishing vessel. And so he told his signal man, I want you to get, give that uh, vessel a radio command and tell that vessel to alter 10 degrees south. And so they gave that uh, message, and that particular vessel responded back by saying, Alter 10 degrees north. Wow. So he was being challenged. And so he got mad. He said, No, Alter 10 degrees south. I am the captain. And the other guy responded by saying, No, Alter 10 degrees north. I am third class Seaman Jones. Now, for the last time, he said, Alter 10 degrees south because I am a battleship. And then the other guy said, no, after 10 degrees north because I am a lighthouse. I cannot do anything. I am staying put here. And guess what? Sometimes we are kind of like that captain. We try to alter the laws of God. But the laws of God are non-changing. Amen. They're absolute. They're reflecting His authority. Sometimes you try to candy coat, you know, about, you know, adultery and you call it, it's just an affair. It's as if you're attending an event. You call it, you know, and you candy coat it like, okay, it's not li- it's not really that serious, you know, you know, it's kind of accepted in our society nowadays. You kind of like, you actually, you can actually bring home not just one wife, but, you know, you know, and we try to just, you know, make it in a small thing before the eyes of God. But in reality, if we ignore the commands of God, we're kind of like that battleship, no matter how big it is. It will run aground and hit the cliff and eventually it will die. Ignoring God's commands can actually be detrimental to all of us. We can change it. All we have to do is to obey it because it's good for us. Tell the person beside you, it's good for you. It's good for you. Okay? So obey. 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 Alright. And lastly, we're going to end here, is worship. Everybody say worship. Really, this talks about our devotion to the Lord. And verse 3 talks about this. Worship. You shall have no other gods before me. It talks about our pure and sincere devotion to the Lord. No one else should be filling our hearts except our devotion to God. And he repeated this in Deuteronomy 5.7 when he said, Again, you shall have no other gods before me. 
He is not just first of many, but He is going to be one and only. Amen. Everybody say, one and only. Can you imagine if I walk in, let's say, in the mall here, and my wife Shirley saw me with my arms on another woman? What do you think she will say? She would not just be shocked. She will kill me. But I cannot tell her, don't worry, love. You'll always have first place in my life. This girl is just second place. Can I say to her that? No way. She wouldn't accept that. I'm expecting the same thing from her. I'm expecting her to not just give me first priority, but I hope that I am the only one in her heart. And I know that for a fact. Now, how many of you are single ladies here? Please raise your hand. Single ladies. Hopefully one day you can get married, okay? Or you will get married. Or you plan to get married. Can you imagine this for, with me for a while? What if you are engaged already? Okay. What if you're engaged? And this fiancé of yours gave you a promise, okay? You're about to get married. And he said, Honey, let me give you a promise that I will not break. I will be faithful to you for 364 days in a year. But for one day, just one day, give me this one day so that I can fool around with my old girlfriends. But yet I will come back. How many of you ladies will actually marry a jerk like that? Anybody here? I don't think so. Now what if this guy comes back to you? I think I'm asking too much. I think one whole day is too much. What if I will be faithful to you for 364 days and 23 hours? <laughs> Give me one hour in every year. One hour na lang, hoy, hoy. Ano ba niya manto? Do you think that is a sign of faithfulness? I don't think so. If we have an expectation from our human relationship of 100% loyalty and devotion, how about a God who has given us and He did not withhold us anything that we need, including His very own Son, Jesus Christ? Amen. He deserves all our devotion, all our praise, all our adoration, and all our loyalty. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise right now. No God in Egypt compares to this God. Can you imagine? They have so many gods. Anubis. Pagka plural, anobey. Parang ganyan yan, ba? <laughs> Anubis is actually the one who is in charge of life. He's the protector of death. And yet, they could not withstand the death of the firstborn. God challenged each and every one of the gods of Egypt by sending the ten plagues. And guess what? They have no match before the faithfulness and the power of our God. Ancient Egyptian gods, no match. And even modern gods, Buddha himself said, to uh, strive unceasingly. Every single day you strive so that you can actually attain nirvana. And when you ask them, are you sure you're going to heaven? I hope so. They're not even sure. But yet in Christianity, what is said in Psalm, be still and know that I am God. What he is saying is stop striving, cease striving, and just begin to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? God is distinct from other gods. There is no like Him. Jesus is my only God and there is no other. Let's all bow our heads right now as we come to a close. Father, we come before you and we ask that you would allow us to pour out 
our adoration, our loyalty to you. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. But as a people of God, we ask, Lord God, that you would give us a divine allegiance to you, Lord God. Lord, that we will see the loss of God not as a burden, but as an expression of love, an expression of your authority over our life because you want us safe. You want our well-being. You desire our blessing. You desire our prosperity, God. And I thank you, Lord God. Indeed, your word says, your commands are not burdensome. Thank you, Lord God, that you have promised your people salvation with every eye closed and every head bowed down. If you are here this afternoon, and if you have not made a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ yet, He is inviting you right now uh, to to have this relationship uh, that we have. And it's not about coming to church. It's not about uh, joining a religion or joining a new denomination. It's about having this relationship with Him. It's trusting Him, believing Him, having faith in Him. In the finished work of his son Jesus, uh, of, of what he has done on that cross. And if you are here this afternoon, and if you want to receive forgiveness, you want to receive eternal life, you want to receive um, you know, restoration of, uh, of your soul before him, with nobody looking around, I want you to just lift up your hand right now. I want to pray for you uh, very quickly before we end this service. Anyone at all, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, ma'am, God bless you. Just lift it up right now. Just lift it up before the Lord. This is the most important decision that anyone could ever make in his life. Thank you, Lord. Who else would like to receive that? Thank you, Lord. If you're lifting up your hand, can you just pray this prayer with me? Let's actually join all across this room as we pray. Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner and I need you as my Savior. Thank you that you are a faithful God. And I confess that Jesus is my Lord and I believe that he was raised from the dead. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.